Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of what was the We Are Buglers podcast, and after much deliberation, episode one of the radio podcast. Robert and Diana interact orally. Since there's no news of a new Bugle episode 294, we're stuck sitting once again, waiting, staring at each other. <laughs> In our last episode, I related Bugle 293 and the long-awaited Bugle 294 in terms of two U.S. interstates. I was perhaps remiss in not noting that the U.S. highway numbering system dates back to 1926, although both of those two roads are considerably newer. I know, Diana, that you were concerned that we might lose some of our international listeners, particularly in the UK, by being too focused on the US. Rob, so, I was concerned that you would lose me as a listener, <laughs> based on the previous... <laughs> well, so, to rectify that... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, the UK's system predates the American by three years. Oh. The UK first published its own list of load designations on the 1st of April, 1923. The primary classifications for roads at that time were A and B. This indicated primary and secondary routes, respectively, minor routes being unlisted. The document was available for purchase for ninepence. In today's money, that's about £1.60 or $3 American. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am sorry to say that in the original document, you would not have been able to read about the A293. I'm, I'm crying. <laughs> there may be other reasons for that. Uh huh. That route was not classified until publication the following year, 1st of April, 1924. The A293 was given to follow the northern section of Trafalgar Road in Portslade-on-Sea before turning left into Victoria Road, then right over the level crossing onto the road which is both Station Road, Portslade and Boundary Road, Hove, ending at the A259. The Mornington Crescent was unavailable. Also, take note of the A259. It does have a further part to play in this. Mm. <laughs> By 1996... The bypass around Portslade-on-Sea was completed. The A293 was reassigned to be the connector road from the, A from the old A27 in Portslade-on-Sea to the new A27 bypass. To be fair, the A293 had undergone changes in the interim, but I wanted to cut this short story short. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very short. All that said, what of the A294? Hmm. What indeed? What indeed? <laughs> the A294 was also recorded in the 1st of April 1924 publication. The A294 designation upgraded the B2143 from Bognor Regis to Chichester to the Class 1 status. Now then, by the 1930s, the A259 had been extended from Worthing to Bognor to meet the A294. The A294 was thus absorbed as a further extension of the A259 during the 1935 road numbering revision. I did say take note of the A259. So, as with episode 294 of The Bugle, the A294 does not currently exist. Although the road at least once did. It might actually then be worth listening to Bugle 259 to see if Bugle 294 
was absorbed into it. Rob, I I didn't think that I could care less about Rose. Uh, uh, all right, in my in my defense, uh huh, I did not invent this information, uh, but obtained it from uh, a website for the Society for All British and Irish Road Enthusiasts, known as Sabre. <laughs> The, uh, their website being http colon slash slash www.saber-roads.org.uk and I'll put that in the episode notes <laughs> oh god um, I'm going to pretend that the last whatever three minutes of my life didn't exist and just go on to introduce myself as Diana DeBugler and I for all my faults once and others am Robert DeBugler we can only go uphill from here, people. <laughs> Let's cue some music. Ugh. In the bin. So we have previously honored the bugle with an in the bin section, marking our disappointment at the lack of a new episode of the bugle. Rumor has it that we should expect the next episode of The Bugle in early 2016. And with that in mind, we've decided to in the bin the in the bin section. We'll let Andy do that again when they come back in 2016. While we are disappointed, it means we will continue doing this podcast for a while longer. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Suckers. Top feature. So Rob has been out of the country. Uh, it was about a month ago at this point, but he was back in the good old UK. And we've decided to take some time and review the differences between <laughs> the US and the, the UK. Uh, a lot of people say that we are two nations separated by a single language. Uh, yes, <laughs> very much so. And, uh, you know, maybe about a bajillion customs. So we're <laughs> just going to, I found a, uh, a top 10 style list on the website Us versus Them. And I'm going to kind of go through these and we can uh, talk about them with some personal experience. In my defense, this is sight unseen on my part. So um, this is down to... Um, <laughs> Please be gentle. Yeah, I'll do my best. Yeah, that's a first. <laughs> All right, the first one is apologizing needlessly. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, uh, if somebody steps on your foot accidentally, you say sorry. Yes. Versus uh, you accidentally walk into a post box and you say sorry <laughs> i i have apologized to a lamppost yes um, i was completely in its way i shouldn't have been walking there and it Clearly. had every right to occupy that spot the corollary of that is that if you're in a pub oh did you spill corollary. my pint it's a corollary whatever oh did you spill <laughs> my pint that was oi oi yeah 
That was my fucking pint. That sounds like you went from being exceedingly polite to, like, Australian and rude. Where do you think they got it from, dear? Well. Consider the source. I mean, where did you get your being rude from? Well, you had your Italian background and the Greek. Uh Uh-huh. I just give you the finger. Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So sorry. Sorry. Not really. (laughs) All right. The second item on the list... (laughs) <laughs> Go on. Marmite. Oh, love Marmite. Uh, here's the thing. Wait, so I, what is it? I, uh, I'm i looking at an exceptional picture that looks exceptionally photoshopped of... Uh, a black goo. It looks like... Yeah. yeah. It looks like waste oil or coal tar smeared over bread. Okay. Um, Go uh, on. It sounds delicious. Uh, in uh, our Australian cousins will know it as Vegemite because there was a shortage during the war and so a brand set up there. Uh, it's a yeast, yeast extract spread. Um, Those a... are words that should not be put together and then eaten. Oh, and that's where you're wrong. I don't uh, think I, so. I should have sent you a bag of Marmite flavored crisps. Uh, maybe not. You wouldn't have enjoyed Uh one of the true tests of character is if you know a British person that doesn't have an opinion on Marmite and do not trust anything they tell you because they are simply pandering. (laughs) They're waiting for you to express an opinion and then they will agree with you. Mm. Um, Marmite is not a, a gray area. Either you hate it, which I did when I was in my youth, and then I reached a point where I developed this craving for that bizarre flavor. Uh, the nearest U.S. equivalent that I can think of is a, there was a soda from Maine called Moxie. And it is what should be used for cleaning the inside of oil tankers. Well, then, I would like to put that on toast, please. <laughs> it's a soda. If you put it on toast, you're even weirder than I am. <laughs> That's a long walk. <laughs> but it, it, it's one of those things that if you've tried it, you cannot have a non-opinion on. You either love it or you hate it. Um, oh, man, I, it's it's almost midnight. We're recording this. I want some Marmite on toast. And the, the and here's the problem with this. Thank you so much for bringing this up. Is that <laughs> wow? When I came back from the UK, uh-huh. I had carefully planned my bag for the weight allowances. I knew where I was at. I knew how much I could afford, and then I was very generously gifted a bottle of Liverpool gin. And it completely screwed up my packing. <laughs> and um, the weight allowance for the UK from in metric is 23 kilograms, or about mm-hmm. 50 pounds for US. And I repacked my bag a dozen times that night to get it to a hair's breadth below 23 kilos. And I had to leave behind the two tubs of Marmite that I had because they were a pound in weight and they carried me over and I couldn't put them in my carry-on because despite all other appearances they're classified as a liquid. Uh, They have... 
I'm crying for you over here. Uh, I can tell. Wow. Um, they have a coefficient of friction of granite. Uh, I, the, 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 these things do not want to pour on their own. You, 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 you put a knife in there and it'll start to eat it. Okay, uh, again. So, at what point did somebody say, "You know what we should do with this crap? Eat it. Let's put it on some toast." Have you ever eaten in the UK? I have never been to the UK. We need to get you over there sometime. You will learn to appreciate Marmite as, oh, there's nutrients in this. Great. <laughs> Yes, it tastes disgusting. Well, I'm going to try it. There's your problem. But that Bill... is the bar that needs to be crossed <laughs> for putting something in your mouth. As then... the late, great Bill Hicks once put it, you don't boil pizza. Oh, God. All right, we're going to move on. <laughs> Please, I want some toast in my mouth. All right, the next thing is you say, you all right, instead of hello. I... Depending on circumstances. If it's the telephone, then hello is appropriate. If it's to friends, yeah, you're right. How you doing? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a subheading that says, if this was America, we would have told you exactly how all right we were and taken our sweet time about it. Yeah, that is true. Um, Rather I, than it just being a uh, conversational opener. It is a bit of a conversational ban- gambit. It's either that or the weather. Um I did actually work for a guy a number of years ago um, who, when he asked, how you doing, you all right? And this is over in the States. It was actually a genuine question, and it took me yeah. aback. And um, I'd been asked the same question by other American managers that I've had, and they did not mean it in quite the same way. Okay. Um, but with him, it was actually a genuine question, and he wanted to know. All right. See? We fucking care. <laughs> All right. The next yes, item on the list. <laughs> uh, the accents per area ratio is insane. Oh, that is true. That is so true. Um, in America, there is a broad generic American accent. And then mm-hmm. there's the crap that I try and do, which is meaningless and nothing. Well, uh, I mean, it definitely... I don't know. I know on the East Coast, as you make your way from state to state, there is a genuine difference mm-hmm. as you go from Boston to New York to Philly yes. to D.C. Well, D.C. is kind of a hodgepodge just because there's so many different people from all over the place. But, you know, you make your way down to Richmond and then Atlanta and you just work your way further in the south. Um, so all the way down the East Coast, at least there's a very distinct difference in accent there is but it's um as you say for those areas it's fairly broad so like maine has a fairly distinctive accent and then you get down into boston and you know there's the the usual um piece that's trotted out is uh pack you can have a dad Mm -hmm. um, as being bostonian which um, most bostonians will tell you is bullshit because you can't park in harvard yard (laughs) (laughs) But the um, those accents are fairly broad and wide in terms of their their usage, um, and there is not only the the accent but also the um, the verbiage that you're going to choose. You know what is the not only how you're saying it but what are you saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and growing up where I grew up in Liverpool. 
um, where my native Scouse accent, I should be talking to you like this and that, you know, so after the podcast we'll go scrump a couple of cars and then go for a few jars and that, you know. Be great. You're looking at me blankly, lass. What the fuck's wrong with you? Did you say scrump a couple of cars? Yeah, go scrumping a couple of cars, you know. No, I don't know. (laughs) You've never been scrumping for nothing. No, I have no idea. You know what scrumping is? No. It's when you collect the apples that fell off the tree. It was like that with cars. There's just a car parker down the street. So you go grab the car in there. I mean, they may not have left the keys in it for you, but, you know, it's just there. Yeah. Maybe somebody would right. benefit from the wheels off it. You know, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> and the radio, the radio was a bit loose in it, you know. So growing up in Liverpool, um, it was almost a, you know, that, that was the way. But the... Um, the part of Liverpool I grew up in was South Liverpool, and South Liverpool had its own distinct accent from downtown central Liverpool and then North Liverpool veering in towards Southport, for those of you looking at a map and paying attention. So kind of like how I grew up on Long Island, where everybody would kind of talk like this every once in a while, and then you get over into Jersey, and people would talk a little bit different, and then you get down to South Jersey... And the Bennies would all talk different. Exactly that. So it, but it's compressed in the UK to an inordinate degree. So Liverpool, at least three distinct accents. That if you're in Liverpool, you can pull them apart really easily. Mm-hmm. If you're outside of Liverpool, we all sound like a bunch of scals that you wouldn't trust with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you want to nail something down, you can go ahead and nail it, but I can use the nail too. Well, let me let me ask you this. If I'm not going to trust you with anything, would I trust you with number five, Ooh. brown sauce? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, brown sauce, there's there's a couple of kinds. You've got your generic brown sauce, and then you've got your HP sauce. Let uh, me ask you this. Between Marmite and brown sauce. You guys have to be fucking culinary masters. <laughs> because, you know. Those are like the two most appetizing sounding things I've ever heard. We like stuff that's brown. Because then you can't taste when everything's spoiled. Uh-huh. No, I, you, you've got brown sauce, which is a generic um, sauce that um, uh, there's sort of brown sugar molasses and then a, a range of fruits and some spices go into it and it's actually so, really tasty it's kind of like um have you ever tried hp sauce no i that is also there's that's what the picture here is hp sauce and there's a picture of fucking parliament on it uh, yes and uh, some people think that hp stands for houses of parliament um it's also denied and said that it stands for something else but i've always assumed it stood for houses of parliament but anyway um over here, you've got A1 steak sauce. Right. Which is like an inferior version of both of those two. <laughs> okay. But you wouldn't necessarily... You know, HP sauce, I could see you using on steak, but having tried really good steak over in the US, you don't put anything on good steak. No, you don't. If it's don't. cooked right, mm-hmm. where it's still moose in the middle, mm-hmm. mm, you don't need anything on it. No, that is uh, fact. Fact. Uh, steak, steak in the UK... Mm-hmm. tends to be overly watered when they've processed it 
and you've had to cook it for too long. And basically, yeah, just a little something to give it some... All right, it serves as... I mean, steak is to HP as toast is to Marmite in the so UK. So don't eat in the UK. And for the most part, yeah, it depends where you go. So okay, all if, right. If, 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 if you know a good butcher, then yeah, fine. But uh, otherwise, maybe not so much. Okay. Uh, number six on this list. But before is... we go on to number six, I will yeah. give a shout out that in Cheshire there's the the Pheasant Inn, um, which has a view over the Cheshire Plain. I may actually put a link to their place in the uh, in the podcast because one of the things that I like to go is when we go back to the UK um, and my folks to go eat there. Oh, it's really good food, especially on a Sunday when they do a Sunday roast. And the view out over the Cheshire Plain is absolutely exquisite from there. But anyway, please continue. Okay. All right. So, so number six is mm-hmm. uh, Biker Grove. I don't have anything for you right yet. Can you read the description, please? Yeah. It says, nope, no idea what they're saying. Is it Welsh? Put the subtitles on. This may, no? This sounds like a television program I have no experience of. Yeah, I don't know. Can I, we substitute in the clangers? <laughs> okay, sure. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that is either. We'll oh, go with the, that. The, um, the clangers are sure. I actually sent you a link to turn on the TV a few weeks ago. Is um, this the thing, the horrible thing with the tape and the... the no, the, probably not. Okay. Um, the clangers is a show from when I, before I was a kid. Um, but I used to watch it when I was a kid. It's basically these little knitted puppets that supposedly live on some sort of moon thing. Mm. And there is a clockwork chicken and a soup dragon. So uh, as a teenager playing Dungeons and Dragons with my friends, there was always a soup dragon. And it was very bad form to kill the soup dragon. Because... You're saying a lot of words, but they don't go together in any kind of way that makes sense. <laughs> So I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk it up to it being midnight and not anything British. <laughs> you want to hastily move on to the next one before I'm just I say anything? Pretend that didn't exist. Uh-huh. All right, number seven. You are not all Sherlock Holmes, the Queen, or Doctor Who. <laughs> Which you know, <laughs> fact. Yeah. I know enough of you bastards at this point that I can I can concur. With that statement, we can probably move on pretty quickly. But we However, do sound we lovely. Up. Yeah, I would listen to you guys talk about just about anything for an unforeseen amount of time. Welcome to page 17 of the phone book. <laughs> and that is why I don't care. You could be dumb as a box of rocks. But you come to America and you'll be treated like a god. Why do you think I've done so well here? <laughs> Back home in Britain? Nah. I heard your scouse, I know. All right. <laughs> Number eight. Private schools are called public schools. Yes, this is true. Public schools are called state schools. Yes. But there are no states in the UK. There is one state. There's the, the whole state. Ah, state. Yes. Um, the reason for this is historical. That um, at one time in our history, schools were sort of... Um, would have been private, mostly monastic affairs run by a church. Mm-hmm. And so they would have been uh, simply the purview of that church to educate those that were part of that organization. 
a public school was open to anybody that could afford to send their children there and was therefore open to the public. Kind of. And then uh, in more modern times, then there was the state school system where everybody was required to go unless you had your, the money to send your child to a public school. Oh, At least sorry. we get an education. Well, yes. <laughs> to go with all of your... All right. Oh, God. This sounds terrible, too. It's another food item. Number nine. Bovril. Bovril! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, all right. So, um, Bovril... So, it says here that it's a beef extract. Yes. You guys extract fucking everything. Just eat it the way it's supposed to be. So we've got both But there's a beef war extract. on. You've got no. There's not. There's a culinary war on. Yes, clearly. I'm just going to send you guys a whole bunch of spam. It'll be like a, the most amazing thing you've ever eaten. Apparently, Ooh, spam egg, spam and spam. Yes, with some marmite on it. And a lovely cup of bovril. Well, did you just say a cup of bovril? Yes. How do you how how are you supposed to imbibe this? Well, if it's a cup of, then I suggest you drink it. Oh. Uh, it's um, bovril essentially is a very um thick beef stock. Uh, that I mean, it's one of those things that, like my grandmother, always resented the fact that you could no longer buy powdered egg because some of her recipes worked better with powdered egg than real egg. Hmm. Um, and so sort of uh, Marmite is the vegetarian version of Bovril. Ugh. And you would serve it as a hot beef drink. So it was almost like a beef soup. It was the, and you could use so it, it as it a just beef hot, like a Basically like a gooey concentrate and then you'd like water it down to make stock with it yeah if you're lucky Ugh. <laughs> are you sure you want to go no i didn't say i wanted to go you told me i needed to go we have cabries real cabries not hershey's cabries sorry hershey's but it's awful well and here's the last thing uh-huh why do so many things in the uk not taste like peanut butter huh um because we don't need everything to taste like peanut butter. See, and so way back when, uh, I guess it was like summertime, the group of buglers decided to do a <laughs> um, food exchange. Uh-huh. And when I was looking up like what kind of stuff is not in the UK that we have over here so that I could send some good things, I was reading that, I guess, in the UK uh, – Y'all don't have peanuts. We do. We have peanuts. We have peanut butter. Both chunky but and smooth. Is it all just imported or is it like... Well, we don't exactly grow them there. That's what I'm saying. That you guys don't grow peanut, don't grow peanuts there. So anything that is peanut butter is either imported peanut butter or... I don't know. I, I would like peanut butter flavored most things <laughs> <laughs> I, when i was at school i used to make myself on a regular basis peanut butter and honey sandwiches okay that's fair yeah because they're delicious but right. the um i do not believe that peanuts are grown naturally in the uk i mean there may be somebody that can prove us wrong if anybody is listening 
Anybody? But you guys don't have like Reese's Pieces or no, all the know. Reese's peanut, peanut butter cup. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't stand those things. They are so dry in the middle. It's like dry. That's why you get the mini cups. The little ones are just the it, right ratio. The it, big ones, I agree. And like then, like at Thanksgiving, at Valentine's Day, they'll do the big giant hearts. Uh huh. And those are way too much. But the Reese's pieces and the mini cups are fantastic. The I, the one I like is the um, oh, what's that flaky peanut butter one? Butterfinger. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. The Butterfinger. That one I like. Um, but, uh, most of the rest of the stuff with just so much peanut butter in it, I don't like it. I like peanut butter on hot toast where it just, oh, it just melts into the toast and you get that sheen over the top. Here's another and, one. And then you take on the list. A, you take a little bit of salted butter and just add that in and smear it all together. Mm-hmm. Oh. Sorry, go on. You had one more for you. I was going to yeah, it's not on the list, but you know, we've got English muffins over here, which are but basically we do like not. a double flipped crumpet right i have no idea what the hell it's supposed to be uh when i first arrived over here Mm -hmm. uh, back in the summer of 96 uh the heady the heady days of 96 in in my youth (laughs) i was a much younger man do you want me to make you feel old for a second i feel old right now what do you get ready Uh i hadn't graduated high school yet it was the summer before my senior year. <laughs> and I was a young man. <laughs> and, and you committed to the adventure of your new world, you know. Grandpa the Bugler, tell me about English muffins. <laughs> I've no idea what the hell they're supposed to be. Uh, the first time I was over here, I was made to feel welcome by them providing English muffins. Of course. And I didn't know what to do with them. Mm. You know what you do with them? You toast them, you put peanut butter on them, and you let the peanut butter go in all those nooks and crannies. Mm-hmm. Delicious. I did find that to be the case. You're absolutely right. Um, but the guy, Thomas, sold you on a complete lie. We've no idea what they are. <laughs> it's like an English person coming over here and being told that this is Cadbury's. <laughs> no, the hell it isn't. <laughs> Somebody lied to you. <laughs> Well, I think it has to do with uh, tariffs and import taxes. No, it has to do with um, a brand name licensing. Yeah. Um, and the Hershey Monopoly not wanting any uh, real Cadbury ca- infiltration. Because uh, I would welcome ca- um, Hershey manufacturing Cadbury's over here under license if, if, and I do hope you're listening, Hershey, you used the recipe the recipe not what you think the american market wants because you've got that stuff and it's labeled as hershey's and the hershey's special dark i like but mm-hmm. if you're going to label it cadbury's please in the name of cadbury's and all other things holy use the recipe <laughs> all right well that is my whole list rob do you have anything else that in your umpteen years of living here what what have you noticed that gets your go one of the, the most? I I'm not going to go down that road. I'm actually going to um, 
actually say that one of the things that I am delighted about is that when I first arrived over here, the American beer market was awful, mm-hmm. utterly appalling. Um, the first decent beer I had was, I think, the was it the winter of '96 or was it winter of '97? But um, there was a winter brew that turned out to be an Anheuser Busch product. That was actually the first thing I'd ever had from that stable that had any taste and flavor to it. <laughs> and since that time, there has been... Uh, it's sort of the Cambrian explosion in craft beer and real mm-hmm. beer making. Yeah. And there are now some really good breweries out there. And so uh, my go-to beer is Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have some stuff that for me is just spot on. Their pale ale is as close as I will ever get to Budweiser. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not going any, but if you offer anything below that on the spectrum, I'm not touching it. <laughs> uh, their tor- Sierra Nevada Torpedo is phenomenal. There's a couple out at the moment. Hop Hunter and Celebration is the seasonal. Is The Celebration is so good in cold weather. Such a good flavor. It's rich and complex. And just informs the afternoon. Uh, you guys have a I guess magic hat is up by you guys, isn't that Vermont? Yeah, um, magic hat is, it... is good. It, it doesn't quite grab me the same way. Um, the other one that is spoken of a lot um, is the heady topper, which is part of the mystique. Is it's so difficult to get? But to me, I just pick up too much grapefruit out of the hops and not enough of the the hop profile. Um, just recently in Manchester, New Hampshire, is the Great North Ale Works, where um, the head brewer there, a guy called Rob North, is committed to the hop. They have, I think, four beers on at any time. Um, they're smoking Robisher. I would put down as a breakfast beer because it's like te- <laughs> it's like drinking smoked bacon. I mean, it would be so good with bacon, eggs, toast, beans, black pudding, sausage... It should be a breakfast beer on a weekend. Um, but their their IPA is fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would put theirs up against any other IPAs that you're going to see from around the country. And there are some So you are ones. a big fan of the U.S. beer market, is what you're saying, that the, the microbrew US... explosion. Yes. And I have done as much as I reasonably can to support it. And your liver says, uh, yeah, <laughs> you've been doing it. If you could pass doing your this... best. Uh-huh. Y- yes. <laughs> Jesus. There's some free advertising here for somebody, isn't there? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think we've done a quasi solid job of uh just some of the highlights of uh u.s versus uk culture i'll say for lack of a better word yes and this middle segment may be a little longer than we intended but we hope you've enjoyed it and we will now be passing you on to the next segment of the show enjoy (laughs) thank you so much diana anytime Or 
audio cryptic word search. And now, line four of the audio cryptic word search. Four lines! Come on, people! Starting to look like a real puzzle now. According to my answer key, you should have several words on your sheet already, although you may not have the clues yet, so... With that, we give you the fourth row. F. Flatulence. L. Laborious. B. Bland. Y. Yowza! <laughs> w. Waitress. <laughs> T. Tesco. L. Lucifer. J. Jalapeno. <laughs> A. Arresting. F. Flasher. L. Lucid. Q. Quaint. R. Redundant. D. Dexterous. <laughs> C. Cantankerous. <laughs> and, and the fourth word clue is Chris. As in producer Chris and fuck you, Chris. Ugh. So many fucks to Chris. <laughs> oh. Emails and correspondence. Okay, people, this is a call for email. In light of the holiday season being upon us, we want your messages. We've heard from many of you bastards that you want to be part of the podcast, and I'm sure you have voices that can't be any worse than our own. So we want to hear from you. Record a short message on whatever device you might have handy in MP3 format. Email that over to us at diana at weareBuglers.com or robert at weareBuglers.com That's W-E-A-R-E-B-U-G-L-R-S dot com. And we will include it in a special section in our holiday edition podcast. Indeed. And so once again, we thank you for listening to this. The first real episodes of the Radio, our Ampersan D.I.O. podcast. <laughs> we hope to bring you many more. I will have been Robert DeBugler. And I am the mathematical constant Diana DeBugler. Fact! <laughs> and with that, we thank you. Oh, Mr. Secord, will you please play us out? Mm-hmm.